Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. You can follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod and give us a like over on Facebook. Please go down to the description in the episode below. Click the link so it's really easy to subscribe and, and follow us on all of our social media platforms, especially YouTube. Big news coming out really, really soon. I know we keep saying that, but hey. You got to tease, right? You got to tease. Anyway, uh, huge day, well, huge week in herd athletics this week. Uh, we have some championships that came to an end. Uh, basketball's winding down. Baseball, softball are really hitting a stride. And just other general awesome news. It was a really great week. So let's get it all rolling. But before we do, let's get a quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com. If you've been injured in a car wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. What happens when an Ohio driver crashes into a West Virginia driver in Kentucky? That can be a mess. But if you can dream it up, Jason and Matt have probably been there, done that, and gotten their clients paid. Don't fight the insurance companies alone. Contact Jason and Matt at 304carwreck.com. Russ, super Busy week. Lots of killer news is out there in the Twitterverse for the Herd fan to consume. So let's talk about a little bit of it. Give me, I don't know how many things, but at least five things every Herd fan needs to know this week. Well, this week it actually will be a true five things every Herd fan needs to know this week. And as always, those are brought to you by Ignite Link, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. We're going to start off number one with something Pretty, pretty cool. Macy Majoy, first ever Sunbelt Conference champion for Marshall University as she wins the pole vault in the SBC championships. So remember the name, remember the event, because at some point that will win you some bar trivia, I'm sure. But uh, that's cool. The first one is now uh, taken care of, and now it's just all downhill from here, right? They're just going to start flooding in. Huge congratulations to Macy Majoy. The cool part about it is, which we were talking about before we hit the record button, she wins with a a height of 3.99 meters, which is far below what she had been exceeding in the meets leading up to the Sunbelt Indoor Championships. So that's cool. Not even She didn't even need her best to be the best in the conference congratulations to macy majoy bringing home the gold for the herd in the pole vault that is so freaking cool man it is cool you know I, i'm glad that we got that first one out of the way now we can just run off 37 or so yeah. over the next yeah no big deal yeah uh number two tavion kenzie continues to climb uh he passed skip henderson on wednesday for second all time he is now 15 points away. We're recording Saturday night after the, uh, I'm sorry, Friday night after the, the basketball game mm-hmm. uh, that was played earlier tonight. And he is now 15 points behind John Elmore, who is still, of course, in first place. And we have at least 
one game to go. Yeah, and, and of probably course, more. Probably we, more. Hopefully more. Yes, but the one thing you have to take note of is, and, and we'll talk about basketball here in a little bit. But by losing that game tonight, I didn't know this until earlier that mm-hmm. if we would have won the Sun Belt regular season championship, that Within gets you an auto invite to the NIT. So that yeah. would have guaranteed at least two games. Yeah. So just something to take note of. If something happens, Marshall gets eliminated early or Kenzie gets injured early in that game, that could potentially be the only game Marshall gets if they lose that opening round of the SBC tournament. And let, let's let's be real. 15 points is it's not, not that easy. Gi- it's not a gimme. I know he he averages well above that, 22 and a 22.2 mm-hmm. uh coming into tonight and he scored 22 tonight. So um it's still, it's not a gimme. A lot of players on a lot of teams would love to score 15 a game. Sure. Or they would love to hit 15, and maybe that would be their season high, career high. It's not going to be, and you can't just say, well, let's just feed him the ball and get him this. This is no, not you some throwaway win. game. This is a tournament game. Yeah. And I think if you if we had him on the show right now, he would say, I don't care if I score zero yeah. if we win the game. Yeah, because, I'd go scoreless yeah. if we won, yeah. if we meant winning. Yeah. Of course, because that's the type of kid he is. It's the type of player he is. He's been a we over me guy the entire mm-hmm. time he's been at Marshall. Um, now, do I think this will happen for him? I sure do. I do, too. I sure I, do. I also see us in more than one game, but, um, you know, and not, not just with the uh, SBC tournament. You know, whatever happens in it, I see us – playing more games than just the SBC uh, tournament. I see us playing some, whether that's the NIT, whether it's the CIT, whether it's whatever, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's winning the SBC tournament and going to the NCAA tournament. I see us playing more than just this tournament. Yeah, and if I recall, Marshall kind of did that for John as well. They, mm-hmm. they they played in a postseason tournament, one of those buy-in tournaments, so that he could have a couple of games to try to get that record. So it's not like it would be a rarefied occasion. I mean, it would be a rarefied occasion, obviously, because not everybody breaks the scoring record all the time, but it's already happened once, and it wouldn't be setting a precedent. Precedent's already set. So if they needed to do that, it might be something that they would do. Uh, But I fully think probably by halftime, if not early in the second half of that opening round game, depending, obviously, on who we match up against, that uh, we would probably see that record fall. Yeah. So, Kenzie watches. Man, that that point total just shrinking on down. It's 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 really close. It's got to be pretty cool for him. It's got to be a great feeling. Uh, even though I'm sure they would have liked to have gotten that win tonight, as would mm-hmm. all of yeah. the herd fans. Um, and again, we'll talk about that more. But pretty cool accolade to have coming your way. What else he did in tonight's game, which you're aware of, he uh, hit his one thousandth made field goal during that game and tied him with Skip Henderson for first all time mm-hmm. at here at Marshall. So well, that was earlier in the game. He actually went over a thousand. So now he's the sole leader in that category of, of made field goals, but dang, <laughs> yeah, you don't really think about that when you're like, yeah, it's a couple thousand, 3000 points, whatever the total is. And you're like, but then you hear something like a thousand made field goals, and you think, well, hell, it probably does take that many to get to, you know, that that type of point total. But that's a, that's huge. So congratulations to him for that. I mean, that's that's really cool. That's one of two people that made a thousand field goals. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, the 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 number two guy made a thousand on the nose, which is also kind of one of those wild things. Yeah. Um. But that that that's that's pretty neat, man. I'm glad at least he got that, and we think the scoring record is just it's just a matter of the next game coming to the schedule. Agree, agree. Moving on to number three, 11 swim and dive members from Marshall were named to the Missouri Valley Conference Scholar Athlete Team. Just, KD, what is it? <laughs> well, is anytime it? we talk about academics, it's yeah. a differentiator. It is uh, a differentiator. But, it's, Let me... but, but now it's more than just that, right? Because we had swimmers that were competing really uh, at a really high level in the uh, Missouri Valley. So it's also, you know, uh, what you're posting time-wise and uh, doing it in the classroom. So let's uh, let's list all 11. It's Paige Banton, Kate Bulgars- Bulgarskaya, Jenna Bopp, Madeline Hart, Lauren Henderson, Grace Kelsheimer, Esther Laban, Maria, Maria McGovern, Kaylee Payne, Federica Savoa, and Joel Williams. Now, here is what it takes to get on here. I don't know that a lot of people realize this. Scholar athlete honors require athletes to have competed in the MVC Swimming and Diving Championships and maintain either a 3.5 grade point average and obtain all-conference honors, achieve a 3.7 grade point average and receive all-conference honorable mention, or maintain a 3.9 grade point average and participate in the MVC championship, and that includes non-scorers. Wow. So, you know, if the better that you perform, the lower the standard on there, but listen to this. These are the 4.0 girls that were were on there. Kate Bulgarskaya, Madeline Hart, Federica Savoa, and Joelle Williams all got 4.0. That is flat out getting it done in the classroom. <laughs> four out of 11 gets a 4.0. Yep. It's just, I mean, we we can't say enough about all the different academic ath- accolades that our athletes get. And, you know, I, I get on KD a lot about using that word, but it's 100%. Yeah. It's 100% correct. It is a differentiator. Athletes that care about the classroom want to know about that sort of thing. Parents want to know about that sort of thing. Um, I feel like our fans love that sort of thing. You know, I do too. I mean, I feel like that even though they might not keep tabs on it, it's like when we bring it up, it just kind of makes you feel good inside. You know I've, what I mean? I, I've ran into all kinds of different people and that is some of the things that they bring up that they're like, I love that you guys even talk about what goes on in the classroom. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is Marshall grads and everything. They've been here in school and they love that sort of thing. They look, they're proud about that when these accolades get given out for classroom activities, GPA, that sort of thing. It would be, if I were a high performing athlete or just an athlete that made it to the, the division one level to compete, which is hard enough to do. Mm-hmm. I would, I think I would, and I was killing it in the classroom. Mm-hmm. I would hate to think that, you know, I would get whittled down to a stat line 
mm-hmm. if I was a 4.0 student, a high right. academic achiever, mm-hmm. and, and I would get whittled down to what I did or didn't do or how I performed in certain games or big moments that I might have had a letdown, that would be a little disheartening. So I could see, especially from like former athletes, be like, it's really cool you guys were talking about that because I busted my ass in the classroom and nobody ever talked about it. You know, and it, and it's not like you want to publicly pat yourself on the back. So it's nice to get recognized. And I'm glad we're doing that. I'm glad that's a that's a section of the fan base that we're reaching that enjoys that we do that. Didn't you win the award for most semesters? No, no, we have a we have a friend. We <laughs> have <know>. a friend. <laughs> and he knows who he is, but All, also a running joke here on the Thundercast. No big deal. Yeah, I I, I come a distant second in our small circle of friends as as uh, enrolled semesters at Marshall <laughs> University. I tell you, 14 years is equally as impressive run. as a 4.0. It's uh, not bad know. for a for a bachelor's <laughs> degree. Uh, number four, Lydia Montague is trying out for the USA team. I yeah. Think that, that is super, super cool as well. I do too, man. I th- that just floated across the timeline earlier today, and I thought, wow. That's kind of a that's kind of a cool deal because it's not like you just go, hey, I'd like to uh, show up. Is that cool? I'm sure yeah. they reach out to you, you know, and say yes. Probably got to be an yeah, got to be an invite. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that was unexpected, and mm-hmm. um, I'm really that that's a piece of news that that I really enjoyed seeing come across the timeline. Yeah, uh, from from a sport like volleyball that flies under the radar a lot here mm-hmm. at Marshall. And we try all we can to get people excited and interested about that. And, you know, we talk about how cool their games are and how energetic and fun they are and, and all that sort of thing. But it's stuff like that, that I just really like to see because it says maybe the herd fan should pay close attention, closer attention to the volleyball program because team USA is paying close attention to the herd volleyball program. Mm-hmm. And if, and if they are following Maybe we should just a little bit closer. You know, I'm just just saying. Our fifth thing, uh, this was also just earlier today that this came out, and we had been waiting for it for a while to confirm some things. The 2023 football schedule has been unveiled. Uh, we actually will talk about every single date on here real quick. So yep. uh, I'll go ahead and get your thoughts first, and then I'm going to read off some of these things. But initial thoughts of seeing this schedule. Okay. Initially, is some of the things that we had talked about before, about swapping a quote-unquote gimme game, cupcake game, one for the other. Is it ideal? No. But mm-hmm. the bonus you get is that you don't have a week one by. So mm-hmm. that's a great trade, right? So not too many people are going to be pumped about seeing Albany on the schedule uh, after getting rid of, what was it, Central Connecticut State? Yep. But by doing that, you eliminate a week one by. So right there, yeah. huge, huge plus. Uh, you don't want to be playing 12 straight, 13 straight games, you know, and hope to make it through unscathed, uh, which is going to be basically difficult enough anyway. Yeah. Also, two ACC teams on the schedule, one coming to Jones C. Edwards Stadium, also renewing, of course, that historic, uh, unique type rivalry with East Carolina, and we owe them one for mm-hmm. uh, Huff, Huff's first year yeah. uh, as head coach where they had a really big comeback and stole that game kind of from us after they caught fire a little bit in the second half. And then you look at the conference slate. We already knew that we, you know, basically going to be going on the road to the and which East teams were coming here and which ones we were going on the road for. We just didn't know when where they mm-hmm. fell. Um, and we had uh, 
found out earlier weeks ago that our crossover games were going to be South Alabama and Arkansas State. So initially you look at that and you go, okay, first most people are going to go, when's homecoming? Mm-hmm. And you and I were talking about that before. We're going to speculate, pure speculation. Let me 100%. get that. Let me get that uh, speculation hat and put it on here. One hundred percent speculation. We do not know this. We are not saying this. We this is what we are speculating that it will probably be Old Dominion on September thirtieth. Why, Russ? Because James Madison is a midweek game. Yeah, so that's probably not going to be it. So it's a good time. Let me pause right there and run down this schedule. Uh, we've got September the second, the home opener. It's against Albany. Then September the 9th, we're on the road at East Carolina. We have a bye week September the 16th. Virginia Tech comes here on September the 23rd. Old Dominion, September the 30th, like KD just said. We are going to speculate that that is our homecoming game. And a lot of things point toward that, which you'll see as I talk about the rest of the schedule. We are back on the road at NC State on October the 7th. And then on the road at Georgia State, October the 14th. Our next home game and our only home game in October, which is almost always when we have homecoming, Mm -hmm. is James Madison. It is a Thursday night game. Uh, Back on the road after that, October the 28th at Coastal Carolina. Next week, we have at Appalachian State. That is November the 4th. Back at home, November the 11th for Georgia Southern. On the road, November the 18th. Oh, back up real quick, the 75 game. 75 week, yep. Yeah, you you probably are not going to see that be homecoming. Uh, that's why we are speculating. You know, you're not going to have a JMU Thursday night game be homecoming, I don't figure, and you're not going to have the 75 week be homecoming. So it really just makes sense unless – and. I really don't see them bumping it up and saying, hey, Virginia Tech is coming. Let's make that homecoming. It it just does not make sense. So uh, after the November the 18th game at South Alabama on the road, we finish up uh, Thanksgiving week. We will be here on that Saturday. Uh, Arkansas State plays us here. Uh, That's a – tough schedule it's it's i'm not going to speculate wins and losses right now but you could there's a lot to be excited about about this schedule uh especially if you're a fan of competition because that's two years in a row we're getting a top team out of the west uh last week well i guess we had two last year because louisiana came in and and took care of business against us in in our midweek and then we had troy who ended up winning the conference and this year we've got South Alabama, who was a rolling red hot team until they mm-hmm. ran into Troy as well last year. Mm-hmm. So they're riding high. This is not the same South Alabama that you've probably known over the past several years. This is a tough team. Uh, I'm so, just going to say, don't overlook anybody in the Sun Belt. No, I don't think you can. I don't yeah. think you can. No, I think that's fair to say. You know, Old Dominion. If you remember, we couldn't really do anything against them. Uh, mm-hmm. It was it was what was that a twenty to nothing game or a nine to nothing game or something like that? I Twelve mean, nothing, I believe. Well, yeah, we couldn't do really anything offensively, and it was our defense that just held them <laughs> to basically nothing, you know, in that game. But still, I, I figure they'll be quite tough this year, just like uh, most of these Sun Belt teams are. The thing that sticks out to me is that Marshall does not play back to back home games after the month of September. Yeah, that's a bummer. That's kind of a bummer. 
Uh, speaking also to your homecoming point, not only is it 75 week, you do not want a November homecoming in West Virginia. It's too daggone cold. The attendance just will not be there as like it will be probably on a most likely gorgeous September weekend in late September. So all eyes, arrows, and fingers point to Old Dominion being homecoming. It's just not officially been announced. And in my opinion, you're not going to have Albany, the very first game, be uh, homecoming, and you're not going to have the very last game, which is almost always much more poorly attended because of Thanksgiving, hunting, uh, all the stuff that goes on that week. And plus, it's uh, senior day. Yeah, so don't need to have homecoming there. You point at it, uh, nothing jumps out at me except for Old Dominion. And yeah. I just, I really can't see them pulling the trigger and saying, let's do it when Virginia Tech's here. Yeah. Not that it's the level of opponent uh, as far as saying, hey, we're scared. We don't want to do it when it's Virginia Tech. It's more about Virginia Tech's going to be a draw. Why not just have another draw when right. and have homecoming a different a different right. game? It's very much strategic, you know, about getting more people to a game that would be less well attended. Yep. Um, let me let me say this though. If you look at that schedule, you're pretty you're pretty happy about it, right? I'm pretty happy about it outside of Albany, but you got to have something in there. You're you're trading the lesser of two evils. You you upgraded the bye week. If the herd is five and zero oh, <laughs> after the out of conference schedule, let's just say that. Boy, oh boy, are there going to be a lot of ears, eyeballs perked up on Marshall Thundering Herd in Huntington, West Virginia. Holy moly. I'm not putting the cart before the horse. I'm just saying, if you look at that and you go, geez, East Carolina on the road, Virginia Tech at home, Old Dominion at home, and NC State on the road, if you come out of that 5-0, and wow, you're going to – you there. I think you will garner some serious attention at that point. Now, we've got a lot to talk about before that, but that's just a knee-jerk reaction when I look yeah. at that out-of-conference schedule. It's hard to deny. It's just hard to deny how good it is. Let's talk road trips, too. We, we've talked about this schedule uh, in the Sun Belt year in, year out, how mm -hmm. the conference schedule is always favorable to have some travelable games. Right now, we have a lot of people that live, herd fans, that live down around North Carolina, especially mm -hmm. in that Raleigh area. Of course, where North Carolina State is, it's not that far over to East Carolina from Raleigh. Um and we've got Coastal. Of course, you saw what we did at the bowl down there. Uh, this would be probably mirroring that, if not more, that we're going to have down there for a uh, an October the 28th game. I figure mm -hmm. that that's going to be big. App State, uh, they travel well up to here. We travel well down to there. It's a long-storied rivalry that we have going back decades to the Southern Conference. And also, that's not very far to go to. Uh, I just feel like out of those four North Carolina, South Carolina games, we're going to have opportunity for some good road trips, but great showings by the herd faithful going to those games. Yeah, I agree with that. I think what we're going to see is a resurgence and a renewal of what made people across the country go, wow, this Marshall fan base travels. They yeah. care. Yeah. So you're going to see a lot more of that because it's now more travelable you know, than the Conference USA was. I mean, no, you know, I, I, I say this almost every episode, and I'm really not trying to toss shade, but not too many people were interested in driving to Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You know, you, you, not too many people wanted to hop a flight and go all the way down to Boca Raton or hop a flight and go all the way down to Miami to play FIU. Certainly not too many people were hopping on flights and going out to Texas. It just wasn't, 
wasn't doable. It wasn't in the budget for a lot of people. And it's, it's a quick turnaround for a weekend. It's that's a lot of money to sink into a three hour football game. And I feel like it's different if you're going down to FIU and there's more than a thousand people in the stands, you know, like, yeah, if me, they I, filled their own stadium, yeah. it was a nice atmosphere. Yes, yeah. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you're talking about going to Miami. I mean, who wouldn't want to go to a destination and everything? But it's just hard to get up, in my opinion, yeah. hard to get up for a team, no matter what performance they put on the field, that there's 700 fans in the stands. Yeah. It's just, that's, it, that's true. When you feel like you take 250 people and you're going to have a quarter of the attendance of the home yeah. crowd. Yeah, that's just – I get it. I mean, if you're one of those fans, it's like, well, I go – I want to go because I want to go to all the stadiums at least once. Mm-hmm. I can get that, and I'd love to do that too. But I feel like more people will be doing that in this Sunbelt Conference. Yeah. And, hey, I'd go to every game if I could, man. Absolutely, you know, I would. And and it's not just a – it's a logistical issue when, you know, you're talking about having to navigate around work and uh, mm-hmm. kids and family and, and just all the different things that you have. And I'm sitting here thinking of – how many people would be coming from JMU, mm-hmm. which we sent a lot down there. It's four and a half hours or so, and they may have fans that are closer than that four and a half hours to get over here. But now it's a Thursday night game. Yeah. Things like that come into play about these destinations and road trips and everything. So um, I I hate that that's the one that is on a Thursday, but also if both of us are performing very well, that's going to be a very good game. Uh, it's a given. It's going to be on ESPN or ESPN two. That's right. It's a marquee matchup. That's and for the second time in two years, Marshall's going to have their mid their midweek um at home. Mm -hmm. So you know we get to showcase Joan C. Edwards Stadium and the city of Huntington on national television, and that's great. That's that's if I'm on a midweek game, I'd much rather it be here. If we're going to play one, there's uh, some other Sun Belt teams that have multiple. And mm-hmm. uh, they, a couple of those are on a Tuesday. I would much rather have a Thursday game than a Tuesday game. Yeah, I, th- I think as long as we keep performing at a high level, as long as we keep posting and competing for the division and for the conference, we won't be that Tuesday game. We'll be the Thursday game, you know, because that's more eyeballs on a Thursday night than a Tuesday night. So that, of course, falls on not just Huff, the staff, and the players to perform. It also falls right back on us to – you know, support at a championship level to keep us performing as best as we can. Last thing I want to talk about, I, I don't know if you want to move on. We I'll talk about the schedule for another hour. I don't care. But uh, with this, I saw that now big green renewals are open again with the mm-hmm. schedule that came out today. So if you haven't jumped on the bus uh, for the big green this year, or if your renewal is up uh, and you hadn't remembered, like, oh, I was going to do that today. Get there. There's a link also in the description of the show. Just scroll down to the bottom. It's really easy. Click the link. It'll take you right to the landing page of the Big Green, and you can join or renew. And remember, remember, they did the, what is it called, a Herd Forever or something Herd like forever. that. Yeah. So you just click the box when you fill out your info, and it just it's a, it's a donation every month that comes out. Whatever you want, it's what it comes out. Forever. And it, it doesn't have to be every month. If you do annual, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, it would just repeat annually. And everything. So however you do, it would just auto renew on there to make it as simple as possible for you. Because I have talked personally to people that just say, hey, man, I just forgot to renew. Yeah. Well, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Listen, I will. I want to tell you that I thought legitimately, I thought 
that I had that this was a thing before. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was coming out all the time. And I got in a conversation with, uh, you know, Ryan Crisp earlier last year. And he was like, hey, man, I appreciate you getting back in on the big green. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, you it, you fulfilled your obligation and this. It did, didn't renew. I was like, what? So I was I tried to stay on top of that. And I thought that it was a, per, a perpetual thing and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I'm sorry. I, I I let it lapse for like two years thinking I was in the big green. Mm-hmm. So when uh, I went back and renewed it, I was like, I want to make sure that it I I can I can forget, right? It, I don't have to remember anymore. I clicked the box once, the box once, and I'm good. So mm-hmm. please consider doing that, even if it's again five dollars a month. Please do that. Let's get as many folks into the big green as we can, man. We need to we need to put together a serious championship level membership we need to put together some serious fundraising efforts if we want to compete remember it's playoff expansion it's making the push it's getting to the next level uh we we if we want it we're gonna have to act like it we're not just gonna be able to talk about it agreed agreed all right that finishes up our five things every herd fan needs to know this week and as always brought to you by ignite link before i switch it back over to kd for the benefit of everyone that is watching along on YouTube, you will have probably already seen, but I will point you back here to the chalkboard that is behind me. If you're listening over on Spotify, Apple, or any other platform, head on over to YouTube to catch a glimpse for this. And after a couple of days, I'll post a photo of this at hashtag TC chalkboard. But clue number one of seven is behind me right now. All right, KD, put it back on over to you. We can talk about this little feature that we're going to talk about. Well, I'm trying to see. Uh, I don't see a – I'm looking for a bracket real quick because okay. the, the, rim, the women's bracket is out, by the way, but I don't see the men's bracket right yet. They just put the women's bracket out four minutes ago as we're recording late tonight. Now, we'll go ahead and tell you this before we get in the round the herd and it gets lost. Marshall's women's basketball team will be a number eight seed in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, playing their first game. Coastal on Wednesday. Uh, Coastal Carolina on Wednesday in the second round. So they did get a first round bye by being the number eight team. So they'll play number nine, Coastal Carolina at 1130 a.m. at 1130 a.m. on Wednesday, March 1st. That's probably central time it as is well. Central. Every everything that that we're going to talk about that will be men's and women's uh, SBC tournament. Keep in mind, all of these will be Central Time as we read them off. So the, I don't want to get too much farther into that, but I will say this: if they beat Coastal Carolina, they have to face number one seeded James Madison again in the quarters on Friday, March third. So, um, just wanted to get that out there. I'm going to keep checking to see if they drop the men's bracket. Uh, at some point while we're covering our featured story this week. But let's get into that, shall we? Because, yeah. man, oh, man. A lot of news, man. And we could Ooh. talk We could talk for probably five or six hours, but we're going to sum this up a, <laughs> a, a little bit quicker than that. Uh, basically, we have a lot of facilities news. Uh, this all went uh, on the agenda for the Board of Governors, but I do have to tell you that there was no vote, no approval, no d- anything. This was just submitted to them. 
but man, what a wish list that we have mm-hmm. here and lots of news from it. There is more that went on in that Board of Governors meeting, of course, but this right here we feel like is the important things that we want to discuss. I mean, for the purposes of our sports-related podcast, this is what people care about. They yeah. And anytime it's facilities, they want to know. And man, some of the, that wish list was pretty lofty. And um, I have no doubt that we can make it happen, right? It's going to take a collective effort. Obviously, we're going to keep talking about the fundraising that we have to do. Everybody's got to... Do their part. Whatever your part is, whatever you can contribute, you, you really need to contribute. And and we're not just saying it. Russ and I will be doing the same thing, both individually and the podcast will be supporting these endeavors as well because it's important. We want Marshall to get to the next level, and you know we realize that we can't just talk about it. we got to be about it. So what is the first thing we're going to talk about? All right, so all this is uh, – it's got on here uh, – the project and then the project completion, which again, if it doesn't get approved by the board of governors, it won't even start unless some of these, you know, we're going to talk are currently ongoing. Um, And this is when they are projected to come to be completed. But if it gets delayed to start, obviously that would delay the completion. I guess guess the easiest way to think about that is like, if you say to be completed right now, Yes. So you say if it's completed in 2024, then think, all right, that project would take a year. Yeah. That's the easiest way to do it. Yep. All right. So first one, Gullickson Hall and the Pathway Project. This is ongoing and it's nearly finished. Uh, There is some, anybody that's in Huntington, if you can get over there and look inside Gullickson, get somebody to take you on a tour, it's just, it's crazy different than what you remember if you have not seen it. We have talked about this. We have tweeted out the photos. I talked about it when a couple of my contractors had equipment of mine over there and I had to go meet with them. And I was just, as the project was going, I just, the transformation was crazy, right? Um, The Gullickson Hall portion, we have talked about a lot. The Pathway Project is something that we talked about previously on the show, the hallways, Mm-hmm. leading over and this goes from Gullickson Hall leading over to the Henderson Center. Uh, this is also as you come in off the tarmac, the big concrete area between Fat Patties and the Henderson Center and go through those doors. That's been redone. The stairwells leading into these every single thing to go from point A to point B or point C to point A, whatever. All of this has been redone and we're talking new flooring. Uh, handrails being painted, stairs being painted, uh, big graphics put up on the wall. All the doors are painted black and they just pop with these green graphics and things that we have. We're talking about this place went from 1972 to 2023 real quick. Yeah, it did. And as a student, I had the vast majority of my classes in Gullickson Hall and it looked like a 1970s school, you know, mm-hmm. and gymnasium. And I saw it when I was in and it was still in the works. The gym itself was still in the works. It was by no means close to completion. It still yeah. needed painted. It still needed new graphics put up and all that. Stuff. And some of those pictures, man, dude, that, that, it's amazing. It looks yeah. like a brand new facility. It is so slick, man. I, if I were a student that had classes in there now, I'd be like, dang this is this is pretty next level yeah 
it it looks really good. If there, there are photos floating around there, you can find them if you want to go look for them. But if you are a student like me in that time and you remember vividly what Gullickson Hall used to look like, it would be unrecognizable to you right now. I want to say, too, uh, that some of these things that we talk about down here um, a little bit further down before mm -hmm. we move on, I'm not going to be able to talk about every single thing because as I mentioned a long time ago, you and I talked on here, I'm on the big green board and some of these things were talked about in more details than just what is out there on Twitter that has been clicked on. So sure. I'm not going to expand on some of these things. I'm going to mention what it says on the, the agenda. And then from there, I'm just not going to say anything more about it. Sure. Uh, I, I just cannot, do that and every everybody knows why uh video boards and when we talk about video boards we're talking about what we had talked before sunbelt requires soccer to have a video board softball mm -hmm. and baseball to have video boards and it's been well documented that uh spears had said that he wanted to have the i think it was third largest yeah it was a, fourth it was, largest it was, i think it was third board. and uh we have to have all of these, the three that are required for the Sun Belt, of course, and of course you're not going to put in a brand new baseball stadium and not have a video board. Um, but you're upgrading and getting one for soccer. You're getting one for softball. Both of those are required. Baseball is required. Why do we need to have such a big scoreboard uh, in the end zone? We talked about it on the show before. This scoreboard is now outdated to the point where you physically cannot replace some of the parts. Mm -hmm. So we all last year were lucky enough that the speakers and the lights and whatever part didn't go out during the season because we just would not have had a functional scoreboard. Yeah. It, it cannot be just fixed. It has to be replaced. It, it's it, flat out. It's obsolete. Yeah. You know, it, and we were lucky that it served, it served its purpose well, but we are just lucky we didn't have a breakdown mid game or like on a Friday before a home game. So it's just time. Plus who the hell doesn't want a bigger TV, right? Yeah. Everybody wants a bigger TV and it's all about uh, upgrading the fan experience. And what you can see that is a running theme with the things that Marshall's trying to do across all of its facilities is they want people to feel good about the money that they spend to come and see the product on the field. It's it's a lot about seeing your team play, right? It's it's the majority of it is seeing the herd play and being there and, and witnessing it in person, but it's also about enjoying the time that you're inside of the stadium, you know, being able to get a good meal, being able to get a cold drink, something um, like a, a, a clean place to use the bathroom and things like that. It, it Those are all things that matter to this administration and they want to get it right. Because they know money's hard to come by and, and you're competing with an in-home viewing experience that's a hell of a lot cheaper and better than it's ever been in history. So you got to give them reasons to show up, right? Backing up to the uh, Gullickson Hall and Pathway Project, I did not put the projected cost in there. It's $1 million and the completion uh, year is 2023. I can tell you that that $1 million, obviously it's already almost completed uh, that funding was achieved uh, last year, and that project is paid for. 
and they have that branding has been shown on videos and and all it's the Skaggs family mm-hmm. uh, and they have gotten that million dollars put in there and that one is fully budgeted the video boards are five million dollars is what it says and it has a projected completion date of 2023 but it's important to note that softball and baseball will not have theirs until 2024 and that's because of the ongoing construction over there about where everything will be and all that yeah all right, number three on this agenda is training table and John Marshall room. It says $1 million, and it says 2023. This is one of those things that I can't say much about, um, but it is for anyone not realizing where the John Marshall room is. It's upstairs in the student center, and they have uh, – it's kind of like a banquet hall, I guess you would say. Yeah, They've had a stage up there. That's where they had the signing day party uh, just a few short weeks ago. We had a bunch of different events in there when we were in college, and I'm sure anyone that's been in college since the student center has been built has been in that John Marshall room at one point or another. Yeah, it's it's just a big multi-purpose type facility where you could have a lecture or speeches or or a catered event or you know what have you. So everybody's familiar with that space upstairs, and and it will, you know, there's a project that's that encompasses that room. So there will be more details about that, but. It's it. I think it's it'll be a welcome bit of news when when it finally hits the airwaves. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, I can't wait till we can talk about it a little bit more. I can tell yeah. you about it. I can tell everybody else about it. That sort of thing. Uh, number four, golf and Guyan upgrades and indoor hitting area, five hundred thousand dollars projected completion, twenty twenty three. Um, any time that you can do something to help this, like. You know, you start thinking about uh, men's golf and women's golf team and everything. Think about having to go to a country club and you're having trying to hit uh, and you are driving right on to where one of the holes are. It's just not ideal. So they're looking at doing an indoor uh, hitting range, that sort of thing, to where you can still get all the practice, but you don't have to worry about when you can go do it and that mm-hmm. sort of thing because – it's not going to affect the golfers that are there or any kind of tournaments or events that are going on. I mean, the, the technology just exists that you could get all you need to get in a really small area. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, hell, you everybody's been to Dick's and you see like the golf area and you can go in the little room and test fire some clubs and stuff. And so if it's that sort of thing to where you're uh, taking advantage of some technology that exists, then that's exactly what you need to do because that doesn't require a whole lot of room at mm-hmm. all. And to, you know, to even a little bit of added space to where multiple golfers could be working out concurrently, that that's kind of a no brainer. Everybody is getting a slice of the herd athletics pie, it seems like, and nobody is being left to the wind Mm -hmm. like we've seen kind of in the past, you know, Mm -hmm. all sports matter right now. And and if there's an opportunity to upgrade then they're taking that opportunity if it makes sense. And this makes sense. You know, you get the kid. They shouldn't have to travel all the way to Barbersville when they can stay on campus and get their workouts in, you know, if that's what it means. In my opinion, this is uh, 100% because Christian Spears came in and he said, let's take stock. Let's see what everyone has, what everyone needs. And he's put this list together. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's been on the job right around a year, less than a year still. But 
he's like, all right, let's go for it. This needs to happen. Why not this team? Why not that team? Let's yeah. do this. Uh, number five, and this one is ongoing, external offices at City National Bank. Says $100,000 expected completion 2023. What I can tell you about this is the ticket office that you used to go into uh, in the bottom of the Henderson Center uh, on 3rd Avenue. That's not where the ticket office is anymore. It's over uh, inside City National Bank, just diagonally across the road, right there on the corner of 20, 20th Street. And a lot of uh, things that I have noticed there is when I have to go into the ticket office, barely any parking whatsoever don't have to have that problem now you can park over there uh in the big green parking lot that is behind city national bank uh, right down third avenue hop in go up to the ticket office also you can always call them handle it over the phone handle it online but uh, that and a couple of other things are moving over to city national bank and that'll be on the third floor uh, six creative suite upgrades. That's a hundred thousand dollars, and that projected completion is in twenty twenty four. Uh, don't really have anything to talk about on that one. Number seven. This is ongoing. Of course, you have seen all kinds of uh, posts and videos on social media, but the baseball and softball complex. 2024 projected date that is still on schedule they have got a lot done even since you and i talked about that photo that came out that had the uh third base uh dugout or the home side dugout i can't remember which, yep. which side it was they have a lot more done and they seem to be rolling right along the projected cost that is listed on here is seven million dollars and that is on top of what has already been raised as you know, this project costs a lot more than that, and they have a pretty good plan on that $7 million coming to fruition, but no matter what, it will be built by 2024. Uh, number eight, sports performance, weight room, and fuel station. Fuel station has uh, an asterisk beside it saying that it is ongoing, and we have had photos of that already. That was uh, partnered with Gatorade, if I'm remembering correctly, and that has been finished. Uh, but the sports performance in the weight room, getting some more upgrades, and I think that that's also getting upgraded alongside the Pathway Project because there is a weight room over there, not just the one in the shoey. So that is $3.1 million, 2024. Big one that caught everybody's eye. Number nine, sand volleyball courts. Yeah. Sunbelt sponsors beach volleyball. We said, let's do it. So we're going to have a uh, an all uh, women's. It'll be a women's team, only beach volleyball. And uh, they have $3 million put for that, 2024. And the question that I've seen everybody say on social media is, does sand cost $3 million? No, but the land that you have to put the sand on sure might cost <laughs> quite a bit. Uh, so depending on where they are going to have it, you know, you can't don't just, you know, back up a truck, put some sand down and put a net up and have it. You know, you got to call it a gotta, day. <laughs> yeah, you got to have some other things go along with that. Uh, but we are going to be uh, now, obviously, this is pending approval of the board, but yeah. we are going to. uh start having 
beach volleyball. We're going to sponsor beach volleyball as a sport, and that'll give us another female team, women's team. Uh, 10, facilities lettering project, $2 million, 2024. That's just going through and being that brand cohesion that we talked about. Mm -hmm. Let's take some old lettering off, put new lettering on, make sure it's the right uh, Kelly Green, make sure it's the right, the same uh, block M where it needs to be. Um, All the lettering matches at every facility, that sort of thing. Number 11, the Natatorium. Getting a little bit of a makeover, five hundred thousand dollars, twenty twenty five. Number twelve, indoor tennis center, five hundred thousand dollars, twenty twenty five. Right now, we are using the. Uh, it's kind of up where Walmart is at the mall up on the hill. That's where the indoor tennis center is right now. So, not too sure if they're looking to put an indoor tennis center closer to campus, or if that five hundred thousand is going to do a renovation up there. But that is something that if this gets approved, we hope to have a lot more info about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 13, soccer facility upgrades, $6 million, 2026. I can tell you that there is a lot that they want to do up there. And obviously $6 million, it, it sounds like a lot. Uh, if you remember, they put in the temporary bleachers and that, and then they became permanent bleachers. Um, I, I think that, everyone will be kind of excited if this gets approved and what they're going to do. Again, they, they put a, uh, a, a graphics video board kind of around, you know, for ads and everything instead of just, uh, um, I don't know what pads, I guess that were there before to serve as kind of like the out of bounds line, um, or beyond, beyond out of bounds, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Investing in this soccer program, I mean, it, it's elite right now. And I think it's the right time to capitalize on that and the, all the excitements that, that's there. You see sellouts, might as well go ahead and do some expansion and, and make that one of the premier places to play. Uh, a lot of what is going in here, uh, there was some chatter about last year, and it's that they kind of need to upgrade the lights the wrong foot candle uh, is a term that they use the the foot candle outprint uh determines w- when and where you can have tournament games so if you want to have a tournament game in at nighttime you have to have a certain foot candle from your light output and there's just some upgrades that need to be made uh almost done 14 outdoor track Big news, $5 million, 2026. By the way, that was 2026 for the soccer facility as well. We currently do not have an outdoor track. Everything is indoor in the Chris Klein. So going to have to find a place for that as well. Um, I am kind of thinking that it might coincide with this next one. Soccer practice field, $1 million in 2026. Maybe you put the track around the practice field of the soccer. So hoping that we get some news on that as well. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. You would kind of work those together because you're all, it can't just be a track. You're also going to need places to do the weight throw and and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, back in, back in the day, we had lefty Rollins track right there beside twin towers. And, you know, the rec center took that away 
when they built the rec center and the freshman dorms and the softball field and those basketball courts all got taken out from behind towers and beside towers to build those new facilities. So they just went away. You know, I mean, of course, softball field didn't. It got rebuilt over there. Dot Hicks Field looks sweet, but you know, I nearly there's... died at that track, if you remember. <laughs> yeah. So bring back Lefty Rollins track, man. Uh, we got to have something. But uh, with the with the resurgence or the reemergence of a men's track team, uh, and uh, you know the the competitive nature that we're trying to build across all disciplines and sports at Marshall, we just need these things. Yeah. Uh, the the big the big question mark is always as it is in Huntington is land. There's not a whole ton of it in Huntington, so you know there's just not much out there on where these might go or what it might look like. So it's just and you also want. I mean, everything that we're doing right now is right close to campus. It's mm -hmm. all you know, so it would yeah. be ideal to have it there. Yeah, they're uh, bringing things back, right? Because yeah. for a while things were getting pushed away from campus. Yeah. Just well, it's easier. We'll just do it at the Barbersville Tennis Club. We'll we'll just yeah. go to Route Two. We'll just do the, and now they want to bring it all back. That's that's really what needs to happen, Marshall, and Huntington. There, it's a college town, and you mm -hmm. need all of your things, like within walking distance of the college. You know, basically. All right, so the final two that we have on here, the big one that everybody wanted to see, and it got a lot of chatter when you're talking about the photo that went up as the rendering, but the football south end zone, $25 million, projected completion date of 2027. Mm -hmm. Going to take a long time to do all that, of course, and, um, you know, $25 million, KD, that's a lot of money. So... Got to find a way to fund it, mm -hmm. and you've got to uh, basically tear out. I mean, a lot of the stuff that they're going to do, a lot of work has to go in to tear that out. So yeah. looking forward to it. The rendering, if you haven't seen it, go search for that. We put it out, didn't we? Did we put that out? I don't think so. I just think I retweeted uh, somebody else that had cropped the photo out of that document. But that 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 PDF is easy to find. Uh, from herd zone it's in an article you know if you go to herd zone you'll find the article and then yeah. the, there's a link to the pdf and it's like i don't know how many pages 35 pages or something that goes through all this stuff and you can see some other stuff that we haven't talked about in there yeah. so but uh i will say knee-jerk reaction is it's pretty surprising that there was only one row of suites i thought there would be more but mm -hmm. uh again designs change Things could look differently. They might say, hey, man, there's a real demand for that. We need more. We're going to yeah. build them. Let's build them. You know, we got five years to get this where we want it. So um, nothing set in stone and uh, everything is very fluid. But still, any news is good news. And we all know how herd fans love that facilities news. And the final thing that's on there said endowments slash we are Marshall, 1.25 million. Projected completion date of 2027. I'm not really sure what that is. Uh, I, I legitimately have no news about what that is. Uh, and hopefully there's clarification as all these projects move forward. Yeah. I don't know what that could be either. But, uh, you know, maybe maybe it's something as simple as, you know, this year's crop of five-year commitments to endow a scholarship will be done in 2027 or something. I don't know. Maybe uh, the only only thing that you have to remember is this is the projected cost of and I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to everybody out here. It's one point two five million. Mm. Usually on endowments, you're talking about other people. Well, that's true. Bringing that in. Money. 
Hmm. Yeah. So this is our projected cost hmm. uh, for this. So um, anyway, we, we'll have more info as it comes out, as we always do. And uh, that's it, man. A lot of exciting stuff. Yeah, it was, man. I mean, everybody likes seeing those fresh pictures and talking about stuff that's going to be built. And I don't know about, well, I do know about you. You like to see earth moving too. You like mm-hmm. to see progress being made and and the the face of, of Marshall's campus being revitalized, new buildings. It's it's just cool, man. And uh, I've, I've never, I never get tired of coming back to Huntington and driving down Fifth Avenue and going down Third Avenue for the first time in a long time and seeing what's new or seeing what's different. And, uh, you know, one of these days, somebody's going to make a trip back that hasn't been in 10 years. And they're going to go, wow, this just doesn't look at all like I remember. This is amazingly good. So, and and all of this stuff is just, you know, check that box. Let's get this right. Let's do that. I mean, it's it's just so, it's so refreshing to hear. I, no wonder people love hearing facilities news. It just means there's new going on. But look, that was uh, a lot to to talk about. And of course, like Russ said, whenever more comes out, we'll talk about it more. Um, But for now, dude, let's go around the herd. All right, we're going to start off with track and field. And the men and women both finished seventh in the SBC championships. Yeah, uh, we were able to make a few waves. We mentioned uh, Macy Macy Majoy earning the first sbc championship for the herd an individual category of the pole vault but we also went silver in that event as well uh diana goodman brought home the silver with a uh height of 3.89 meters to macy majoy's 3.99 meters of course macy is a grad student from huron ohio and this is where it gets really cool because we had four total medalists in the games men's and women's or in the championships Macy Majoy is the only non-West Virginia kid to bring something home for us. Now, yes, she got the gold, the first ever championship, which is awesome. Uh, Diana Goodman, silver in the pole vault. She's a sophomore from Winfield High School. Winfield, West Virginia, raise up. You got yourself a Conference USA med- or I'm conference Sunbelt medalist. Mar- Marianne Adebayo gets a silver in the weight throw. She's from Hedgesville. She's a fifth year from Hedgesville High School in Hedgesville, West Virginia. And the lone men's athlete to bring home a medal was Brett Armbruster. Brought a bronze in the 800 meter, and he's local. Barbersville, West Virginia from Cabell Midland High School. Man, I mean, that's really awesome that it's such West Virginia flavor uh, bringing it home for the herd in a big way. I just... Uh, I can't get enough of that, you know, and we're seeing across our timeline, across social media timeline, that there are athletes like uh, committing to herd track and field. So um, some of it's in-state stuff, or in-state kids too. So this is really, really cool, man. I'm really excited about local athlete, in-state athletes. We doing things like this and, and potentially competing for championships for herd track and field. I'm telling you guys, Get excited about herd track and field. Start following them, man. You don't have to be an Olympic track and field supporter. You can be a herd track and field supporter, man. They're, it's really entertaining to watch. It's really entertaining and, and easy to keep up with. Congratulations to those four and everybody else across herd men's and women's track and field for competing in some about indoor championships and um, doing all that you can do to help, help uh, take the herd to the next level. 
couple other uh, notes in there. Tyra Thomas tied her personal best in the 60-meter hurdles. She came in fourth in the event, but her personal best, great time to hit that. Uh, and the record was smashed uh, by the team for the distance medley relay. I, I didn't see what they had as the old record, but they came really, really close to getting first in that, and they got, got second just by a, a little you know, hiccup, but, uh, great performance all around in our first, uh, time going through the Sunbelt championships and, uh, just like anything else, just hope to grow and start doing more and more. I mean, this is the, we brought back the men, uh, in January, it's February, right. (laughs) You know, let's, let's see what they do next year. You know, when they get two months to practice, not just one, (laughs) Um, I'm going to move over to baseball. We, uh, completed the series sweep, uh, on Sunday afternoon, as we were recording last uh, week, that game was ongoing and, uh, that was against St. Louis. We won 10 to five and that started the season three and O and Greg bills at three and O as his career, uh, coaching here at Marshall. Today, we lost the opening game of this weekend series against Charleston Southern, and that was 18-8. to Ended up uh, putting on some offensive uh, firepower, especially uh, at the bottom of the order, the 7th and 8th hitters. 7th uh, uh, hitter uh, hit a home run and uh, drove a few in, and Chris Noble at catcher uh, in the 8th spot in the order hit two home runs today. So even putting out that firepower, we just could not, couldn't get it done from the hill. Uh, on the mound, we gave up uh, a lot of hits, a lot of runs. Had, uh, I think his second, third, and fourth innings were three, three, and six scored against us. So after four innings, we're down 12 uh, to four, 12 to six, something like that. But anyway, just could not catch up. Too little, too late, hitting some uh, late jacks, and then they had another six-run inning later on in the uh, game, and just put it out of reach, eighteen to eight. So, yeah, <laughs> got got two more chances though uh, tomorrow morning, or as you're listening to this, uh, be on Saturday, and then uh, got them again on Sunday, and hopefully we can pick up two more wins, and then we're heading home, and we'll be up on route two as we talked last week. Uh, on Friday, March 3rd for a yep. three-game set. Yeah, it's uh, unfortunate when you run into a team that's just got the bats going. I mean, eight runs is what will win you a lot of ball games, you know, throughout a mm-hmm. season. But uh, running into a hot team that puts up 18, hi yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. just hard to win. Yeah. Uh, but now we've got, you know, you, you can uh, – we've got the losses behind us now. It's okay. We can settle in. All the pressure's off from trying to go undefeated all year long. You know, the good thing about baseball in yeah. these series is they do not carry over the score from the previous game. Oh, yeah, it's nice. So it's going to start out 0-0 tomorrow, and all you got to do is go out and score more runs than them tomorrow. You don't have to worry about you gave up 18. Yeah. In fact, you hope that they got it all out of their system. And, I mean – we jokingly say that, but how often do you see that happen? All the time. All I the mean, time. Even in double headers, you yeah. know, somebody will go out and dominate one game, turn right around, and can't put a base runner on for an it's, entire it's game. A, it's at every level, too. Yep. It's just the nature of the game. Sometimes you're on, and sometimes you can't hit. And yep. we just really hope that they got all their scoring out on that. Because ultimately, 
you're going to lose that game whether you lose one to nothing or a hundred to nothing. So right. who who cares? It was a loss. You move on to the next one, and we're just going to hopefully take the next two and take the series. On a brighter note, herd softball is red hot. To red start hot the, to start the weekend. Two games today. First game was against Northern Illinois. Um, they get the five to nothing win in that one. Autumn Owen sends two out of the yard. Sid Nestor said the kid throws a complete game one hitter, striking out seven in seven more innings pitched. I'm going to say it every week. Get out and watch her pitch. It is, I said it last week, I'm going to say it again. It's an opera. It's amazing to watch. She's just that damn good. And then in game two, the herd played Morgan State and just beat the freaking brakes off of them. 11 to nothing, mercy rule. Uh, Savannah Rice goes complete game, one hitter as well. Five innings pitched, five strikeouts in that one. And Autumn Owen takes a third home run of the day out in that game. Bub Faringa also plates three in that one. The herd got the bats out in a big way on this Friday. Let's see if they can keep it carrying over. Uh, I didn't look. Do they play two games tomorrow or just one? Do you know? No, they they play. Uh, let's see, Princeton and Liberty, uh, both tomorrow. Okay, and then they finish with Elon on Sunday. So they have two games tomorrow, uh, and then the third game, which will be the fifth of the the weekend on Sunday. So here's the been the bugaboo for the herd. It's the early Saturday game when they play two on Saturday. They've lost the first game. That's their two losses on the season uh, on a Saturday. So uh, they're red hot right now. Hopefully the bats stay hot like we just talked about with the baseball team. We want the opposite to happen. Uh, But let's hope the herd bats stay hot. Let's hope uh, our pitchers just keep dealing, man. I mean, dang, two complete game one hitters, uh, both with the same number of strikeouts as innings pitched. I mean, they're just dealing. They're dealing. So – Let's see if we can keep that hot streak rolling. It would be really great to go, uh, would you say, five total games this weekend? Yeah. yeah five and up on the weekend would be really awesome. So here's what I've seen, too, is uh, they have found ways to win in just about every fashion, right? They've had a come-from-behind win. They've had uh, a close uh, game. Uh, the one that you were at uh, was uh, – Oh, that was, a, that was yeah. rough. They faced a lot of adversity to come back yeah. on that one. Uh, they've won one to nothing. Uh, and they have blown a couple of teams out and nearly no hit them. Mm-hmm. So this is just a top-to-bottom, well-performing machine early in the season. Let's hope they can keep it up moving into uh, more of the harder uh, – and I'm, I'm not trying to take away from what they're doing right now, but we got freaking Alabama coming here later on in the season, you know. So the the little bit harder part of the schedule when it comes up and then the conference schedule, which is always yeah. going to be tough, we really want them to be firing all on all cylinders at that point. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Don't, you can't just toss out Alabama's coming. James Madison is coming. Louisiana yeah. is coming. You know, all of these teams are on the schedule, and they are tough. We're talking about teams that may compete for serious postseason uh, spots here so but right now we're rocking and rolling and you know we're, we're using this opportunity in the out of conference to find our groove to find what works we're working it's not the same lineup all the time we're 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 constantly 
uh, trying different things out. And for the most part, it's working. So mm -hmm. everybody's getting reps. Everybody's getting some uh, in-game experience. Some of our more experienced players are polishing their game. Heard softball, again, is at home the same weekend, that first weekend in March that has heard baseball. And we'll talk about it again. Make time in your schedule that weekend to catch at least one softball game and one baseball game. I guarantee you'll go back to more if you go to at least one. I'm telling you, man, I, we've said this a lot last year. It does not get about as perfect of a good time as going to the softball game. You're not talking about a three to four hour commitment. The game is usually two hours or something like that. Uh, it seems to fly by, but the entire time that you're watching, you're also thinking, man, this is just enjoyable. And it is infectious, infectious how they behave in the dugout and on the field. Uh, they are just having a good time. You can tell they're great teammates uh, and picking each other up and it just flows out into the stands and you can feel the electricity. It's a great time. We've talked about so many times how the culture that's in place that, that uh, Megan and Corey have put in place, but that's, that's accentuated by these assistant coaches. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and the team, the, the, the the team leaders uh, are fully bought in, of course. Well, I, I, they're all fully bought in at this point. Yeah. But that culture only goes so far unless your team's bought in. And I'm telling you, I mean, <laughs> I can't sell it to you any better. You just need to go see it. You know, be a softball fan. If you're like, man, it's softball. What? Who cares? Go see. You'll see. You'll You'll see why we keep saying that. Just go. It's a hell of a lot of fun. And they sure will appreciate it. How many times now? It's been at least twice we've talked to Megan on this show. Once we talked to Corey in this show. And we said to them each time, what's the biggest thing that herd fans can do right now to support your team? And every time they say, come and watch us play. Get out there and make sure there's not an empty seat at Dot Hicks Field. Then we can start asking for things like we need to expand a little bit because this, yeah. that, you know, we don't have room. So go see them, go support them. Remember, last year they were 20 and one at home. Mm -hmm. 20 and one. Yeah, it's a different team, but guess what? They're already freaking nine and two on the season. Best start since 2015. So as good as they were last year, they're off to a better start this year. Mm -hmm. Another good reason to go see them. Where are we going to next? Well, before we get down to basketball, we're going to do a little bit of housekeeping on these other things. We had already talked about this last week, but men's and women's golf both have uh, some uh, uh, matches that they're they're going to uh, over the next few days. The men are playing in the Loyola Intercollegiate, and that'll be taking place over the weekend and uh, on to Monday uh, is when that'll finish up. And then the women are playing in the GCU Invitational, and that starts on Monday. So we talked about them last week, just did not want to leave them out this week. Uh, also, tennis, we talked about last week, but on Tuesday, they'll be welcoming uh, Eastern Kentucky over here. And then women's soccer, we talked about it last week too, but they had uh, a their first spring game at the vet against concord and that was tonight but there's no information on it so we can't pass anything along i was busy with the kids at home and watching the uh the men's basketball game which we're going to talk about here in a minute on uh, espn uh so i did not get over there and i can't find anybody uh that has put anything on uh 
herd zone or the uh, Twitter account for it. So we got really no news until tomorrow when it comes out, we'll have it on social media. Well, and as a matter of fact, I'm looking at it right now and on the herd zone app, it just shows that there's a game tonight at seven o'clock. Right. No they, score. It, yeah. Hadn't, no hadn't been updated yet. Yeah. So hopefully they won. <laughs> yeah. But we don't know. So, right, so now just, now we're going to move on to the, the basketball. Okay. The, we'll talk about the women first and then finish up with the men. Uh, the women lost 66-63 uh, to 63 on senior night on Wednesday, and that was to Old Dominion, and then turned right back around and beat the number one in the Sunbelt Conference team, JMU, tonight, 71-58 to 58 to close out the regular season. Yeah, and, so they had a, a sour taste for senior night, for their own senior night, and then all they do is go out and put a sour taste in the number one seed senior night. So, ha, turnabout is fair play. We already talked about it. Uh, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but uh, they did finish eighth, and they drew Coastal uh, as their first matchup in the Sun Belt Conference, and that'll be Wednesday, eleven thirty Central. Tournament time, man. I mean, uh, you know, closing out. It's got, it's got to be nice. Closing out, beating the number one seed on the road, has got to be a great way to finish your season and give you a little mo towards the Sun Belt Conference tournament. Uh, let's see if they can keep it continue though, because it's kind of a decent sized layoff here. Um, but let's look at it like this. Let's get them healed up. Let's get uh, get some good scouting on, and at least go in and win one in the Sun Belt tournament. But uh, congrats on a pretty good season so yeah. far. I would and say. and let's talk about just a little bit about these uh, these two games. Uh, Marshall really jumped out in that, uh, old dominion game. They jumped out to a really good lead, uh, 35 to 28 at halftime. And then, uh, still had the lead going into the fourth quarter and just couldn't hold on to it. They, um, were led by Rochelle Scott, go figure 25 points. She also picked up eight rebounds in there. Abby Beeman, uh, had 14 points and eight assists and five rebounds. And Mahogany Matthews, the only other one in double figures, had 10 points, five rebounds. Um, this other game that just happened tonight, waiting on it to load now. Oh, James Madison, I can yep. I can talk about that one. That was a Let's 71, 71 to 58 herd victory yep. in a <laughs> – I mean, I, I was not expecting that type of um, – disparity in the score to be honest with you uh but this was this was a impressive impressive uh game for the for the herd we talked about all the time how important it is for them to get that third score yeah and that's what the, that's what happened in this one of course your nor their your usual suspects abby beam and rochelle scott both put up good numbers abby goes mm -hmm. for 20 points seven rebounds rochelle scott has 17 points and nine rebounds but she's actually the third leading scorer in the game for the herd because Tara Harness turns in an 18 point performance off the bench in just 23 minutes. So six for nine from three. That's how she got her 18 <laughs> points. That is your third scoring performance that is just oh so vital to herd success. And yeah, they had three scores in double digits or yeah, in double digits against the Old Dominion and couldn't get it done. But this is far more impressive to me. This is the number one team in the league. You're talking about a 23 
and six team at that point uh, that Marshall goes into their house mm -hmm. and basically handles in pretty convincing fashion. Yeah, and so, here's how it happened. They were uh, uh, trailing at halftime, 26 to 25, because they only put up five points in the second quarter. What did they do in the third quarter? 27 points. So, I mean, just ran away with it in that third quarter and uh, then outscored uh, JMU 19-18 to increase their lead, finishes up 71-58. to And the cool thing about that is, uh, I don't know if you saw the video, but Beeman hits a shot like a step inside of half court to beat the buzzer at the end of the third, I think it was. So when stuff like that happens. You can do no wrong. You just know it's your night. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> All right. So uh, like I said, uh, we want to, uh, I know it's during the work day, but try to take you a lunch, whatever you can, watch a little bit of that game. Uh, if you're off work during that time, make sure you tune in on ESPN Plus and watch that uh, game for uh, the herd. Now, the men's bracket is out. out. I got it. Yep. So we're going to talk first a little bit about these two games, and then we're going to talk uh, – about the bracket and i'll let kd talk about that i've got it up as well but first we beat jmu on the road and this was a tough game and we pulled away late mm -hmm. uh jmu's a really good team uh they finished fourth in the in the conference and we just went down to their house like we just talked about with the the women took it to them beat them 92 to 83 it was tied 79 all late we pulled away and came up with a convincing victory. Tonight we lost in a crushing defeat to ODU, 71 to 67, and that prevented us from winning outright the uh regular season Sunbelt Conference title. Yeah, and I'm not going to skirt around that. It freaking sucks. It does. Be because it was it was right there. Like you control your own destiny. You have a lead at halftime. And you you can't close it out. You know, yeah. it sucks. And uh, you don't always have to spin it positively because this one isn't positive. Like, these are the games you have to win. If it's there for you, you don't need any help. You know, it, you have to go out and do that because we know this team's capable of doing that. They went out on senior night against uh, James Madison and – or I'm sorry, against uh, – who was that? not James, whoever was senior night, Troy. Yeah. And took over that game because they wanted it. And mm -hmm. and tonight the shots were not falling against Old Dominion from uh, some of our more vital players, mm -hmm. our vital scores. But uh, I don't care, man. You've got to find a way to overcome when you've got a halftime lead. Um, I, to me, it seemed like I, they inexplicably went to a press – for like one play with like seven minutes to go in the game or something like that. And it was thwarted quickly for a quick score. And it seemed like that's what started the bleeding. All of a sudden old dominion could not miss a three pointer. They were leading the freaking country in and one dunks. It seemed like at the end of the game. Now, of course I was a little PO that it seemed like every time Marshall would have a foul called on them, it was for something very minor, very ticky tack. And, it also seemed like um, that poor Micah Hanlogton was basically being mauled with no calls. But I'm not a guy to blame the referees. It's just what I saw. It just didn't seem like it was – while the foul calls 
you know, the team fouls might have been close. It just seemed like the way that they were being called weren't very equal, you know. But uh, it sucks, man. It was right there. It was right there, and we had it. We freaking had it, and that would have guaranteed us a minimal, uh, at minimum, a spot in the NIT, uh, our first regular season conference championship since I think 1997. I think they said, which is 88. 88. Well, yeah, nine, 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 97. Uh, we did not win that. Oh, it was in 1988. They said that. Um, couldn't tell you, but a couple different places have put that out, but it was 88. <laughs> Uh, when John Taft was here. Yeah. Um, I want to talk real quick about the JMU game just to say that, you know, besides pulling away and everything, that Kenzie goes for 31. Yeah, he went uh, insane in, in that one, yeah. In that game. And uh, that was, uh, you know, he needed four to tie, five to move ahead of Skip Henderson. He got that real early, and then he just continued all game long. He was unstoppable. And uh, now we'll go on over and talk about tonight, the game, uh, tonight's game. Uh, Where did we get killed? Rebounding. They had 17 offensive rebounding uh, or rebounds to our five. Mm -hmm. 17 offensive rebounds. We had 30 defensive rebounds. So they had a little more than half of all shots that they took. They got a rebound on. I'm I'm sorry, not half of the ones they took. Half of the ones that we rebounded. I said that way wrong, but yeah. you get what I'm saying. More than a third uh, of the shots that they took, they got a rebound off of. Yeah, they got some of the block they... shots. They got a rebound. You know, I, one one session down the court, Hand Lockton gets two blocks, and then when he gets ready to go up for the third one, he trips over the guy that had fallen down, and there's nobody under there. Um, we got beat on the press when we did press it was a long throw over top because our guys were cheating up and and everything but that left it open over top um shooting we shot 37 and a half percent uh it just seemed like a lot of the shots were in and out it looked like a lot of the shots were forced andy taylor had 25 of our shots and usually if that guy's going to shoot 25 shots he's going to have 30 some points just mm -hmm. about any game it just nothing was really going our way even the times that we were getting rebounds or getting our hands on what should be rebounds we just did not it would hit off of our hand and go to the other guy we got out muscled out hustled we didn't hit our shots and it sucked now yeah. am i beating up on the team no because now we need to take that loss and go into this tournament with a chip on our shoulder instead of going in winning six in a row now we go in saying we can't do that again we need to go in and show them so kd how are we going to show them well the herd lands as the number three seed in the sbc tournament earning of course that double buy uh, marshall will play on march 4th saturday march 4th against the winner of opening round game, Texas State and Georgia State, then they will play Old Dominion. We will play the winner of that game. Mm -hmm. So not ideal to have Old Dominion potentially being the rematch game, but... I say bring it on. But also ideal to have Old Dominion being the rematch game. 
because it'll be on a neutral floor. It will not be in Norfolk in front of a home crowd. It will not be on some rims that <clears throat> Old Dominion is used to shooting on. And I like our chances against anybody in the conference on a neutral floor. So it will be a little nice uh, to get a, a shot at revenge at them potentially if they are able to beat either Georgia State or Texas State. But uh, the other thing that goes along with that side of the bracket, both Georgia Southern and Louisiana end up on our side of the bracket, a team that we had fits with twice and a team that dominated us down low at their house earlier in the season. So that side of the bracket, as far as a you know, bird's eye view of matchups, probably not the most ideal for Marshall fans or this Marshall team, but I don't give a crap, man. It's neutral floor. It's tournament time. You win three games and you go dancing. That's what it is. Marshall will have to win three games in three days to go to the NCAA tournament. I think you can do that. Marshall loses a game against Louisiana where they go on a five-game win streak or a four-game win streak, and then they lose this one right here. So why not go on a three-game win streak and get yourself into the NCAA tournament? All the goals essentially are still in front of this team. Uh, with the caveat of not being regular season champion. And we all know in college basketball, that really doesn't amount to a hill of beans if you're a one-bid league. If we're lucky enough to be a two-bid league, maybe it matters a little bit. But doesn't matter. If Texas State goes on a freaking heated run and wins a tournament, they're going to the NCAA tournament, not anybody else, unless we're a two-bid league. So you got to just win the tournament and let the chips fall where they may. But that is... Uh, that's where we stand right now. The herd does lock up that number three seed, gets the double by, and uh, potentially facing Old Dominion in that first tournament game. Russ, the last thing we got to talk about, I know you got some thoughts on this, but I don't want I want to put this out there just so you'll cover it. Uh, don't forget about Kinsey Watch after this last game. So, what are you? Yes. Your well, so we're uh, we're fifteen points away. We talked about it in five things mm-hmm. and everything. Um, I think that he gets it. I think that it's probably likely that we're playing Old Dominion in a rematch. Uh, anything could happen. But I think that he'll have a chip on his shoulder, just like everyone on the team will. But I really, really think that we come out, they were more physical than us. Now we know what we need to do. Kenzie will come out, and I think you'll see more drives to the basket. He'll get to the foul line like he did tonight and – did pretty well, uh, except for missing both ends of a, a one and two. But um, I think the record falls, and I think that it's as likely to fall around halftime as it is anything else. Mm-hmm. So you definitely want to be watching this game. But, yeah, we're at 15 points to tie, 16 points for him to be the all-time scorer. I don't want to um, – I'm not I'm – not placing blame here on this game mm-hmm. against Old Dominion tonight, but I want to talk about this one thing. Uh, 71 to 67, you lose by four, right? Cam Kerfman has three points in the game. When does that happen? That that, that just doesn't happen. Yeah. So if he has an average Cam Kerfman game, we win that game, right? He doesn't just ever hardly score three or five or six. You know, he's usually good for double digits at game in and game out, at least 10, 12 points a game. And if you get that from him tonight, this is by no means not his fault. The shots were just not falling for him. He was, what, one of seven from behind the – or from the field, one of five from behind the arc, and he hit that one early 
in the they game. did a really good job of preventing him getting the ball and mm-hmm. there were no open looks for him that one shot he was a good six feet behind the line uh to be able to shoot over top of him to get that shot um they did they just they were physical everywhere they were definitely physical on our guards prevented uh when we were trying to do the pick and roll it was hard mm-hmm. for us to to get penetration down there because they just fought through the pick and roll or they switched off good enough that we couldn't, couldn't make any headway. Um, it, it was just an off night, but kudos to them uh, for the way that they played. And it's, I went to the ODU game up here in, uh, in Huntington and they played the exact same way. It's yep. more of a slow down, lower scoring, try to prevent, people from uh, just running this fast break offense that you want to run. And they were physical and we ended up winning. And I think that's what we can do again if we play the same style and that's just hitting our shots. But we also got to get on those boards. Yeah. From a percentage standpoint, it was pretty even. I mean, pretty Mm -hmm. even. Uh, But the, the caveat to that is, percentages are pretty even but old dominion took more shots right right so they were able to get and that leads right into that offensive rebounding you're talking about they had more opportunities they had second chance shots all night long and again so uh, an uncharacteristic and one on threes or not and one but like a foul on threes you get three foul shots and several and one plays and i thought how is this happening several calls on our players where they're obviously I just couldn't figure it out. Hands are straight up. There's, you know, you're not initiating contact. You're actually taking the contact and they still get whistled. It, it was rough, you know, but uh, it's a, it'll be a new day come SBC tournament time. And I imagine that uh, Danny will have these guys ready to roll and game within a game. I think we see Micah Hanlockton uh, a little bit different in the next time around when he faces old dominion. Because uh, he was getting um, uh, mauled, and it wasn't being called. So I think we'll see him a little bit more aggressive this time, this next time around. And uh, I'm kind of here for it. You know, he can't get too aggressive though, because he fouled out again in this game, and we we have seen historically that our rebounds suffer when he's out of the game. Sure. And you know, uh, obviously he's not in there to get as many blocks and change that dynamic down low. Um, and I really want to see him get involved aggressive that way on offense, but he's really got to, got to watch. I think that his reputation of coming in here as a seven foot one freshman phenom nearly leading the nation in rebounds. Uh, you know, he's right up, up there around 10 a game that he's getting and he's up there in blocks. He's, got a reputation of, Hey, this guy is in here and, and this and that. So let's watch him. I think he gets a lot of fouls called on him just off of reputation when he's not really doing much, uh, to, to warrant those. But I have to disagree and say that when I was watching that game, I saw just as many that were non calls. I was like, how did we, we killed that guy and they didn't call that. And, uh, in fact, on that, uh, breakaway at the end of the game where they called yeah. it on the floor, I, I mean, that to me, that's, a, that's his continuation, or if you want to call it, that's a clear path to the basket, whatever you want to call that wasn't a, a foul on the, on the court on the floor. Yeah. yeah I would agree with that me. too. So, so I, 
you know, and I know you're not blaming, you said you're not blaming that on that, but I do have to say when I was watching that game, it was almost refreshing based on some of the absolute horrid calls we've seen in some games that we've had this year. And uh, I remarked that on Twitter to the uh, ODU guys that uh, I kind of felt like it was called straight up that they got by with a lot and so did we. And then they got called for some knickknack fouls and we got them as well. So it's just human nature that when we see it happen to us, you know, obviously you're like, hey, come on. But I did see it on the other end as well. I saw it early on against us, and I think it changed some of the things that we had to do because Kenzie had two early fouls. Yeah, he didn't play and, the full uh, first half. He's, see, he's, so it, it alters your game plan at that point, and it may have ultimately shaken out evenly, but when it happens early in the game and your your whole game plan gets altered, man, that's tough to recover from, and Marshall just wasn't able to do that. But I'm still frustrated as most of the – Every one of those players and coaches are that they weren't able to capture that championship. You know they wanted it. We all wanted it. And no, I'm not bailing on this team for crime sake. They're 24 and freaking seven. Mm -hmm. uh, if we could get that every other year, <laughs> everybody would be pumped about that. So uh, but 12 wins last year, 12 wins last year, 24 so if this if year. We're going to talk about how awesome they do. We're also allowed to talk about when they let us down because right. like I said, what we say in the very, very, very first episode of the show, when not things always go good, sunshine and rainbows, right? When we, when things go good, we're going to talk about it being good. When they're not so good, we're going to talk about that too. Um, because face it, that one sucked. Uh, if you got anything else, let's have it. Otherwise take us out of here. Yeah, so I do have something. Uh, this was not something that we wanted to discuss in five things or uh, didn't really fit in around the herd, but just announced uh, today by himself, offensive lineman Stephen Fauche uh, announced that he is medically retiring. Uh, he had a spinal injury uh, last spring, and if, uh, if you saw, he was on the sidelines, mm -hmm. you know, he was in pads most of the time, but he was on the sidelines the entire game. And usually he had the headset on and, uh, you know, he was helping call plays in and everything. And uh, I always kind of wondered why I didn't know, you know, the, the story and everything, but uh, he decided that he wanted to have non-invasive surgery. Uh, he would rather try to get, you know, work it out in other ways. And he's decided that it's best for his health and his future to retire. I just want to say that uh, he's one of those players that, that I love because here's this injury that I didn't know about, but here's this situation. He's on the sideline, but he was cheering them on the entire time. Seemed to be like a, an extended GA or a coach out there helping call in the plays and I remember him going and taking people to task on Twitter after that JMU game and calling out. It was like, no, you, I've got the receipts. You guys said it. And if you remember, that's the only game of the year that I called that I thought we were going to lose. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I was one of the people because we didn't know that their uh, quarterback, Centeo, was going to be out. I had us losing like 42 to 7. Sure. And – you know, I had to come in with the biggest buffet of crow that I could. And I was happy to eat it. So good. Wasn't I it? was so, oh, man, I'd go back <laughs> for more. But that that was one of the things. I, I love that, that he, he said, no, you know, I'm going to call you all out. Uh, not us, but, you know, just anyone. 
and said, I'm going to call you guys out. You know, we we did this for us and all that. And, you know, you I, I've got these receipts where you, mm-hmm. you said that. And that was the kind of turning the season around in that game, you know, from where we had dipped down. So he became a, a real favorite of mine, and I wish him all the luck. And I just wanted to give him a shout out here on that and say it sucks. I, I know that it sucks, but it seems like he's got a great head on his shoulders, and I'm glad that everything that he said, he's going to finish everything here at Marshall, his undergrad, and get a master's here, and mm-hmm. he was going to continue trying to help the team. Yeah, it was really um... – bittersweet to hear something like that because a you don't want a guy to have to medically retire right especially a guy that's like i think he's a red shirt sophomore so he had a lot of eligibility left in front of him um but you can also tell he was if you read the the post the the message that he put out you could tell that he's all about the herd Mm -hmm. you know i'm gonna stay here i'm gonna finish my degree i'm gonna work on a master's degree i'm gonna be a student coach to continue to work with the football team. Maybe he's got a love for coaching and he, he's like, then I'll just start that part of my life a little earlier. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he talked about um, making these tough decisions so that he, and this one kind of caught me (laughs) because he said, uh, I want to be able to hold my children at Marshall games. Mm -hmm. And I thought if that shit doesn't put it in perspective for you, then you're looking at things the wrong way. Yeah. You know, if you're mad that, if you're taking the stance like, great, now we're down an offensive lineman, then you have the total wrong outlook on life, you know, because it's much bigger than football. And that one got me. It really did. I was like, wow, you know, this is a 19, 20-year-old kid who's thinking 20 years down the road or, or you know, 10 years down the road, like, I want to be able to come back to a Marshall game and I want to be able to carry my kids into Jones Edwards Stadium. That was so um, poignant to me. So we wish him all the luck. We're so glad he's sticking around in Huntington. We're so glad he's going to get that degree and be a son of Marshall forever. Um, it just sucks that uh, he doesn't get to continue living his dream of playing college football. But you get to start a new dream of being potentially a collegiate coach. And I'm kind of here for it. So, you know, it's bittersweet, but I'm happy for him. You know, circumstances suck, yeah. But I'm still happy for him that he's he's found – found peace with the decision and ready to move forward. So we're ready to move forward with him. All right. Uh, you got anything before I take us out of here? Nope. All right. So whether you see us at the dot, whether you see us up route two, whether you see us writing on this chalkboard back here for clue number one, two, three, four, five, six, or seven for this big announcement we got, no matter <laughs> where you see us, we're going to be saying, go herd. Go herd. It's the Thundercast. We'll see you next week. Later. <laughs>